Good morning. How are we doing? It's good to see. I love baptism weekend. It is just, it's amazing. I love getting to celebrate what God is doing. And uh, welcome, welcome to the creek. Welcome to 2024. Uh, we start every January with a series we call Focus. And it's all designed to get us focused on what God wants for us this year. And it's really instead of saying, God, here's what I want to accomplish, it's us submitting and saying, God, what do you want in my life? And so it's kind of changing up how we're used to going with, with New Year's resolutions, which by the way, the other day I was at the gym, that wasn't something I started this year. I was going to the gym before. I know I don't look like I work out a lot, but I work very hard to maintain a bad diet. So um, um, uh, but at the, the gym, they said, hey, today is National Break Your Resolution Day. And I clapped. I thought it was great. They didn't like that. But I thought it was kind of funny, you know. But um, anyway, we, we don't come in. We don't, we don't make resolutions. We make, we make a submission, right? God, here I am. Do what you want to do. And, and we've, as a church, we've kind of been intentionally walking through some devotions. Uh, we have a devotion guide on the back cabinets if you want to grab one of those and catch up with us or just start with us. But we're doing a daily devotion that's taking us through the book of Exodus. And, and as a staff, and many of our church, were fasting. So Tuesdays at lunch, we're fasting. And we're coming in here at noon and we're praying. So if you're available at noon on Tuesday, you're welcome to come and pray with us and be a part of that. Uh, and we just want to be intentional about it. And, and, and we've talked some about where the church is going in 24. But here's what I believe about focus. It, it, the church is made up of people, right? The church is not a building. The church is not a, a location. The church is a people. And when, when we have focused people, focused individuals, then when we come together, what we have is a focused church. And that way we, can, we, we know that God's working in our life. And then when we come together, he's got something he wants to do in us and through us. And he sends us out to different places. One of the places he is sending us out in this year to is to plant a campus in Azel, Texas. And we have people driving from Springtown, Weatherford. I talked to a family. They're driving from um, um, Brock. If you don't know where that's at, that's close to New Mexico. We have a fam I was talking to a family this week. They were driving from Irving. And if you don't know where that's at, it's close to Louisiana. So, you know, I mean, Fort Worth is just where it's at, baby. But, um, but God's calling us to these places. And to give you some updates, you know, we had some meetings with the school district this week. And, and those went very well. So we're in the process of, of working a contract about uh, leasing one of the schools to plant the campus in. We also had another option come on, uh, just kind of going, hey, what do you think about this? And, and so we've got options. It's weird because over the last couple of weeks, I've been praying, God, uh, what do I tell the church, you know, because I mean, we're six weeks away from, from like can't, uh, services in, in that town, like what do I tell the church? He goes, just trust me. And so I just say, just trust God. But this week, you know, we, we're working through a couple options. We are uh, ordering stuff and, uh, and, and God has his perfect timing, right? And his, his provision, because we, we got a call from a church that we have a connection with. And they said, Hey, uh, we were working with a church plant that closed and we've got, a, we've got all this church equipment, portable church equipment. Do you know of a church that would need that? <laughs> he got a sense of humor. I mean, come on. You know, and, and so we're looking at things. I know where there were some discussions about renting a big box truck, which I thought back to when we launched the church 14 years ago, we launched the church. I'm like, where was that? Like we were crawling into a landscape trailer that wasn't tall enough to stand up in. I think that's why I got a bald spot on the top of my head. Because in the summertime, I think it singed it and it just won't grow back. 
That's what I'm sticking to. <laughs> uh, the box truck. I just want to drive the truck. But uh, um, so we're, we're, we're making plans. We're getting there. At 945, our Azel campus is meeting in our loft area, which is on our second floor. And uh, so we're, we're going to be launching out in six weeks, y'all. And it's going to be awesome. But um, Next week, we are, uh, are going to bring a special offering to God, and, and, and we've been talking about that this month, and, and people just been, have been asking about that specifically because we do things different as a church. You know, we don't pass a plate. We don't put a plate. I don't believe in, in guilt or manipulation with any of that stuff. Here's what I believe. We're called to be followers of Jesus. That's called a disciple. What a disciple does is hears God and then is obedient with it. So, I mean, we got our giving stations, most of our giving's online, and here's what I believe about giving. It's an act of worship, it's to be done in secret. So what happens is, you need to be praying about it. If God puts something on your heart, do something. If he doesn't, don't. So I just believe that God is going to lead us, and he's going to open that into our heart, and, and there we go, right? And so uh, people have asked, you know, have we, do we have any money set aside as a church, and I said, yes, we do. So for the last several years, we've been putting money aside. We've got about 300000 set aside that's earmarked specifically for this campus, you know, because God's been laying this on our heart over the last several years. And so uh, that's where we're going. So as we work through that, we work through some intentional questions, right? You know, why does God ask us to do some of the things we do? And, and the answer for that is deliverance. We talked about that in week one of this series uh, where everything is about seeing people saved. It's a, that's it. The church's main function is to see people come into a relationship with Jesus. That is our primary role. Go out, Jesus said, and make disciples. To make disciples means we're talking about Jesus. We're sharing the message of Jesus. This gospel that Jesus was crucified and was resurrected for our salvation and redemption and our deliverance, that's what our main function is. And so the why, why do we do it? It's for him. It's to see people's lives change. And then the where, you know, I mean, we're, we're talking about Azel, you know, but st we're still called to Fort Worth. We're called to Saginaw. We're called, yes, to Azel because we, we have people driving from those areas already. So it's not like we're taking God anywhere new, you know. God's like, I've never been there. I'd like to go visit that, you know. But, uh, but where ultimately we go is to the presence of God. That, that we can go do all this stuff. But if we're not with the presence of God and God's not with us, it's just really mundane, ridiculous work, to be honest with you. I mean, we can make ourselves feel good, like, oh, yeah, we did this thing. But, but ultimately, we're, where we're called is to the presence of God. If he leads us, we'll go. If he doesn't lead us, we'll stay. And that's just kind of my heart's resolve. What we're going to deal with this weekend is the what. And I believe the what is worship. Because every one of us is wired and connected to worship. Worship something. And the key is, what are we going to worship? And, and, and we've been doing our scripture readings, and so we're going to be in Exodus chapter 32. Uh, so I want to invite Miss Megan up to do our scripture reading. So if you wouldn't mind, would you please stand as we, as we honor God and honor his word? Take it away, Megan. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what's become of him. So Aaron said to them, take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, 
who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down, for your people whom you've brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen these people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation of you. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent did he bring them out, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self, and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and we thank you for your word, and uh, teach us from your word. Your word is truth. May it be a lamp to our feet to guide us, and and may we be like David, who said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So we're here to hear from you, God. Speak to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Thank you uh, for for being here today. Um, So to catch us up, we've been going through Exodus this month, and and, and really we're at this point in in the Exodus account where uh, God had raised up this man named Moses and said, I want you to deliver my people out of bondage from the land of Egypt, out of Pharaoh's hand. And uh, so we go through the plagues. They go through the Red Sea. God parts the Red Sea. They're out. They're in the wilderness at this point, and God brings them to a place in the wilderness called Sinai, and, and there he gave the law. He gave the law to Moses. It's called the Mosaic Covenant, and uh, that's the Ten Commandments and all the laws that go along with that, and uh, we're going to study the covenants in March, so we'll kind of dive in more on the Mosaic Covenant then, but um, so the law's given. The people accepted that, and they, they submitted and committed themselves to the Lord, and they said, we will follow you. You will be our God. We're submitted. Your way is right. Our way is to follow you and so you've got this great moment of commitment and then all of a sudden we end up in this situation <laughs> where it goes chaotic where the, you've got they're, they're throwing their gold at Aaron and he's making an, uh, an image and making this st- sculpture and this golden calf and they're worshiping it they're they're sacrificing to it Aaron starts bringing in the Lord's like we're gonna have a feast to God and and we're gonna worship this and then people are eating and drinking and playing and it's just all kinds of chaos going on how do we we get to that point. And I think one of the things we see in scripture is when you have those moments of a spiritual high, that's when the enemy loves to come in and just kind of just start chopping down on it. 
You know, it's like we, we celebrate salvation and we've, we have had people give their life to Christ and that's an incredible moment. But then all of a sudden the enemy gets, gets angry at this because anytime you take ground from the enemy, he's going he's gonna to be unhappy. He's going to retaliate. So then they come in and they start, he starts working on your mind. Like, that decision you made, that was an emotional thing. There's no way there's a God, no way he could love you. And he starts to try to steal that gospel that has been planted in your life. You know, and we have these moments where we have these great experiences with God and then all of a sudden, something comes in, and we're like, how did I get here? There's a man named Elijah in the Old Testament. And at one point, he's standing on a mountaintop, and he's, he, God is saying, it's me and the prophets of Baal, which was a false god. And, and they set up these altars. Elijah gets up, calls down fire. The fire from heaven consumes the altar. They had poured water on it. They made it impossible to fake this. And God consumes everything through the fire. That's a, that's a high, right? It's a spiritual moment. And in the next few chapters, Elijah's running for his life, and he's just saying, oh, God, kill me now. I mean, does that feel like life sometimes? You know, and so we've got people here that are in a... In a Yes. Okay. I'm sorry to interrupt your schedule, but I've been trying to talk to some of your staff, and I wasn't getting the results that I wanted. I hope you don't mind if I ask, but is there a lady here who needs healing? And it probably started off on her left leg that yeah. needs prayer. I th- let one of our staff handle that. Let's give this time to God, and, and let's, let's let our staff handle that. And and uh, I, think, I think Pastor Judd is in the back, and he'll be able to, to talk with you and help you with that. Yes, we believe in the healing of God. Yes, we believe in that power. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So what we've got is, is people experiencing the spiritual high, and then all of a sudden, uh, we, we have the, 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 then, then the spiral, right? And we find ourselves in that emotional. And, and, and I would just say that, that so many times that we can, we can get wrapped up in emotions on following Jesus. But when the emotions fade, it leaves us in a place where we wonder about our faith, you know, when, you know when, when we get to that point, even just as she was saying, if we're praying for healing and it doesn't come, then we start to struggle in our faith. What the people here have, a situation, they're in this area. Moses goes up on the mountain, and he's been up there for 40 days, 40 nights. And the, the, the God, God had shown his manifest presence in, in the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. And when they were moving through the wilderness, the cloud settled on the mountain when Moses went up. It was the, the presence of God. The Shekinah glory of God is what it's called. And the people in the valley could see that presence. They could see that God was, was in that cloud and see that God was moving. But then in the valley, they get, they get impatient. And they go to Aaron and they go, we don't know what happened to this guy Moses. We, we don't understand where he's at. So Aaron, you need to do something about this. And so in Aaron, he, he's a priest. He's, he's representing God to the people. And instead of him saying, what are we doing, guys? I mean, we're, 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 you're, you're, you're letting impatience, you're letting fear, you're letting all of this stuff get in the way of doing what God has called us to do. But Aaron, just, he goes along with them. He says, well, give me your gold. And then he, he makes it into this golden calf. And the golden calf was a symbol uh, of fertility. And many of the religions in this, in this area, in this, in this region, um, they would worship a god of fertility, most of the time depicted by a bull. The god of, of the Canaanites was named Baal, and Baal was depicted as a bull. 
which if you remember through the series, as we've talked about God through, throughout Exodus, when he said, I'll go before you and I'll drive out all the ites. He said the Hittites, Jebusites. The first one on that list was the Canaanites. So what happens is people aren't getting what they want from God when they want it. So they say, give us something, Aaron. Give us something that we can see. Give us something that ultimately that we can control. Because God's not coming through the way I want him to come through. And so I am going to do this on my own. And you got Aaron, when Aaron gets called out by Moses, Aaron lies about it. Later in this chapter, Moses handles up with Aaron. He's like, what, what were you thinking? And he goes, I just threw the gold in the fire and this calf came out. I mean, Moses has got to be like, am I talking to a kindergartner? You're, you're, the, you're anointed to be priest over Israel. What are you thinking? Now, there is restoration for Aaron. I mean, in chapter 40, we see that, that he is anointed and consecrated to be priest. So I praise God for his, his reconciliation and his grace at work in our life because I know my life and I know that I need the grace of God at work in my life. So praise God for that grace. But, and and then, you got, then you got God in this situation and Moses and God's angry. God says, look, notice what he says to Moses. You need to go down and deal with your people. Now, we, 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 we look at that and go, why would God say that? If you've, ever, if you've ever had your wife come to you and go, you need to deal with your daughter. And I've done that. I'm like, you need to go. No, 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 no. You need to go deal with your daughter. But God's like, Moses, you need to go deal with your people because they, they, I'm done. He said, matter of fact, Moses, I'm just going to wipe them out. Now, how, how, so think about it. How many of us would take that deal? You know, because I got in trouble the last service, so I'll say it more, more correct and softer. For some of us, football season is over. <laughs> I made somebody mad in the last service. It was funny because she one, one, one girl walked in. She's a big Eagles fan. I was like, I was like hey. I was like, <laughs> she, she, at least your team lost before mine. I said, neither one of our teams showed up last week. So what are we talking about? They thought it was a bye week. I don't know. We got the first round of the playoffs off. We'll see you in week two. What? <laughs> Didn't get the memo. For some of us, football season over, but you have the thing where coaches are now moving and they're going to find a new team. It was like, I couldn't win with this team. Give me a new team. I spent time in the corporate world, and we would have an organizational change. Hey, we've got a new vice president coming in, and they're going to reorg everything, and this is the way we're going to go. You know, and so, you know, how many, uh, listen, as parents, how many of y'all been in the grocery store like, I could just walk away right now because I don't want to deal with that fit. You know, God, you could give me kids that behave, <laughs> you know. But oh, God, I think God is doing something here. There's a, there's a test of Moses' character here. Because Moses is considered a hum, uh, one of the most humble men. You know, and he's a leader. God called him to be a leader. And Moses himself said, God, I'm not called. I'm not qualified. I'm not good at this leadership thing. And so what God is doing, God's not, it's not like Moses taught God off the ledge. Get out of my way. I'm going to kill him. No, remember God. Oh, yeah, you're right. No, God knew exactly what, it's, it's a test. 
You know, we've got a lot of educators in, the, in their Creek family, and, and you understand this. You go through the material, you go through the curriculum, and you know where that kid's at. You know they ain't going to pass that test. But you do that. They, the test is to show them where they are. Right? So God will lead us through these things to, see where, to check our heart, to see where we're at. God knows where we're at. He needs us to know where we're at. But Moses says, no, 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 it's, it's, it's a humility. Moses is operating humility, and, and, and here we're seeing him act as a leader. He mediates, he intercedes from, no, God, remember your promise, remember your covenant. It's not my people, it's your people. These are your people. You created them. You've got a promise for them. You have a hope for them. You have a future for them. And God, I think God's probably smiling. He's, like, he's angry at what the people did, but he's probably like, thank you, Moses, good. Okay, so you're starting to see what I'm developing in you. And now he can be that leader. So you've got, you've got a lot of crazy happening. I think ultimately the basic cause of this sin and the whole thing with the golden calf is unbelief. I mean, think about it. I can see God's work. He's been faithful in the past. I mean, it, when you read through Exodus, listen, it is, it is a cycle of grumbling. I mean, they get hungry and they go to Moses. Oh, why did you lead us out here to die in the wilderness without any food? And Moses goes to God, and Moses says, hey, you're not grumbling to me. You're grumbling to God. Hey, God's going to give you manna. He's going to give you quail. Oh, did you bring us out here to kill us of thirst? Oh, God's going to bring water from the rock. Oh, did you? You know, it's just a con- It's like having kids in the backseat on a car trip. <laughs> he ate all my snacks. You know what I'm talking about. But God constantly shows himself faithful. And they've seen that. But ultimately, we get to a point where they don't, that, that their unbelief comes from impatience. It means they're not getting what they want when they want it. So they're going to create something to focus their worship on. I say, we, we, we do it. I mean, we look at that and go, I wouldn't do a golden calf. I mean, that's just ridiculous. I mean, come on. But how many times do we put something else in there? Oh, and then we try to bring Jesus into it. Because that's the thing, that, the thing that gets me about Aaron. He's like, give me your gold. I'll make you this calf. Here's a calf. Oh, here's your gods who led you out of Egypt. And then Aaron said, Tomorrow we're going to have a feast for the Lord. So I think kind of what we do in our culture with this is we're like, I I need Jesus. I need Jesus in my life, and I want Jesus in my life, but I need him to operate when I need him to and what I want to do when I want it. It's kind of like we all want a little Jesus in our pocket, right? It's kind of like this. It's right here. I don't know if you can get a tight shot of that. But we, we want a little Jesus, right? Like, Jesus, I need you to do what I need you to do. Now behave now. I mean, I don't, when I ask you for something, I'll come to you when I need something. Well, when I need it, I need it. I'm on a timetable here, right? So and this is called syncretism. It's what the whole book of Colossians was in the New Testament where people were going, okay, I want Jesus, but I want all these other things too. What they'd start doing is creating these other idols, See, idolatry is when we just put something else in the place of God. And the people here, man, they've just been given the Ten Commandments, right? I mean, first one on the Ten Commandments, you'll have no other gods before me. Well, they just wiped that one out. Here's their gods. You know, and then the second, number two on the top ten is you'll have no carved image and make sacrifices to it. Well, we're just working right down the list, aren't we? So it just, we, we start focusing on those things. When we don't get what we want, when we want it, we start looking for something else to fulfill us. And it really, the unbelief comes when we just don't believe that God is going to provide, that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. 
And we, don't, we, we start mistrusting in God's provision. And God's provision, it's just been prepared beforehand. Look, and I'm the type of guy, I love being prepared. I love having a plan. I mean, that's part of my, I mean, look, I, that's, we all love control, right? Where are we going? How are we going to get there? What do we need? What do we need to get there? What are we going to need when we get there? And we want to have this beautiful plan in place. And sometimes it just doesn't work that way. I mean, over the last, <laughs> we've been planning and praying about this, this Azel venture for, for a long time. And uh, over the, if you could just hear my prayer over the last several weeks and months, I'm like, God, I got to announce to the church, man. Come on, <laughs> you know, hey, hey, come on, God. But it's, that's our desire for control. And so what happens is when we have this desire for control, it starts to breed fear. And when fear starts coming in, it starts to lead us into the temptation to find some other way to meet the need. And God's provision, listen, doesn't come in our time, it comes in his. Patience is listed in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. Patience has to be cultivated. And the problem with patience is it takes time. And I struggle with patience. I, listen, I, I make the joke that I don't pray for patience. I do pray for patience, but when I do, God puts me in a situation to test those patients, and I fail sometimes. I, fa- I have some innate ability. I don't know if it's a special gift. Maybe it's a spiritual gift. I don't know. But I can pick the slowest line in any grocery store. I mean, I can walk through and there can be 80 people in this line and two in this one. That's a no-brainer. And I'm like, why? You know, I do it in traffic. You know, I get in this line, it stops moving. I get in this line, it stops moving. You know? And I'm like, it's just me. It's just me. And at the grocery store, let me tell you, I, there are t- <laughs> uh, I tried to go around the system. I'm going to do the self-checkout. Now, I may not be a smart man, but I know how to check out my own groceries. But I get up there, I feel like an idiot. Because I'll get up there, I'll scan, boom, $3.99. You save 49 cents with your reward card, boom, $3.99. Boom, put it in the bag, bing, please place last item in bag. It's in the bag, it's in the bag, it's in the bag. Please place, please remove item from bag. Well, how, do, how can I remove it if you don't think it's in the bag? Remove the item that I just put in the bag. Well, who, who's, what's going on? So then I, I take it out. I put it back in. Because, you know, they got scales or something. I don't know. But I take it out, put it back. I look up at the camera. I put it in the bag. <laughs> please rescale. Boop. Please again. Help is on the way. And now I'm the idiot with the blinking light above his head. And they come up. And it's asset protection where they come over. Sir, you're trying to steal? No, it's in the bag. I scanned it. There's the charge. It's in the bag. Oh, okay. Boop, 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 boop. Have a nice day, sir. They walk away. I scan the next item. Boop. Help is on the way. I, I have literally, I walked away and left the stuff there. And I got home. Heather's like, where's the stuff? I said, it's at the grocery store. I don't have the patience for that. <laughs> Just go without, you know. I struggle sometimes with patience. I'd feel so much better after sharing that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I mean, even planting the church. I mean, we planted the church in 2010, and it's the same thing. People were asking me, where are we going to meet? I didn't know. 
I mean, we found out where we we're going to meet six weeks before we launch. Hey, we're launching in six weeks. I don't know. Is it coincidence? I don't think so. But we met in a daycare center, and I thought, we'll be here six months tops. Four and a half years later, we moved into here. And I say that because God's provision came in his time because hundreds and hundreds of miles I put on my truck driving around this area going, God, where is it? Where is it? Where are you calling us to move the church? Where is it going to be? Where's our permanent location? Hundreds and hundreds of miles in our community. And I drove by here every time and never saw it. And God just gave it to us. His provision comes in his time, not ours. And listen, we got to fight the temptation to kind of get ahead of God because we reconcile it within ourselves. I have needs. You know, my family has needs. The church has needs. People have needs. And so we, we start to try to move through creating a way to satisfy those needs on our own. And the reality is only God's provision will satisfy our needs. I mean, we can try it for a little while, but it just doesn't work. I mean, we can, we can try, we put something there as ultimate that's going to satisfy us, and ultimately it never does. In Isaiah chapter 44, it's called the folly of idolatry. And in this folly of idolatry that Isaiah is speaking on behalf of God, he's talking about a man who has some wood. And he says, half of this wood, he builds a fire. And, and over it, that he roasts his meat. He's got a flame-broiled steak, y'all. Come on, I'm hungry now. And I mean, perfectly medium rare. If you'd like it any more done than that, our prayer team will be here afterwards. We will pray for you. But... Uh, but listen, he says over, he takes half of this wood, he builds a fire, he makes his dinner, and he warms himself, and then he does the Tom Hanks thing from Castaway in front of the fire. Aha, I have made fire, you know. He says, I'm warm, I've seen the fire. And so he's there. And then, then he takes the other half of the wood, and he goes to Woodland, you know. And says so the rest of it, he makes a god, his idol. And then he carves this thing. He falls down in front of it and he worships it. And he says, deliver me for you're my God. And again, we're like, I ain't falling down to a calf, golden calf. I ain't falling down to something that's carved. No, but how many of us, listen, our kids are amazing and they're a gift of God. But how many of us set our kids up to be an idol or the idea of a family to be an idol? And then we look at our kids, deliver me. And when your kid, if, you're, if everything is dependent on your children, once they start acting in a way that you, it ain't working right, you feel like a failure as a parent. Or maybe it's the job. If this next promotion will fulfill me, if I could just get a job with that company, that would fulfill me. And we put that out there and we start pursuing that as what's going to satisfy our needs. And then all of a sudden we get that. And then, then, then a new VP comes in. We got reorganization and there's layoffs. And now you're out and your whole identity is crushed because like that was what I did. That was who I am. Ultimately, we try to create these things to bring satisfaction and fulfill us, but it doesn't work. It's good for a season. I mean, look in the passage. I mean, it says they, they, they made sacrifices to it. They ate, they drank, they got up, they partied, they played, and, and there it was. But then all of a sudden, the reality came down. Moses came down from the mountain and, and had to deal with this. And it's fine for a season because what happens is we, our fear gets abated because we feel like for a moment we're in control. And then we realize it ain't happening because it will never fulfill our greatest need. 
Our greatest need is a savior, is deliverance, is that salvation. And we'll start to look through all these things. But until we get there, the problem is we start to build our own sufficiency. And as much as we think we're self-sufficient, we're nothing without the provision of God. I mean, this idea of self-sufficiency gets kind of drilled into us. Like, you don't need anybody's help. You're your own man. You know, and I talk about, I picked myself up by my bootstraps. I don't know how physically I can do that. You know, I'm a self-made man. Well, who made you to be a self-made man? I'm going to start, let's start working back the line here because everything we have is because of God's provision. The very breath you just took is because of the provision of God at work in our life. When we get back to realizing it, it I, I don't make this myself. I'm not the creator of my own destiny. I am not the self-made man. I am the one who is just like every other person on this planet that is worthy of destruction. But God, who is rich in mercy, made a way for that to happen. Just like Moses, he, he intercedes and mediates for the people. Go down and deal with your people, Moses. God, these are your people. These are your people, God. But notice what he does in verse 13. He calls them back. You've got a promise. You've got a covenant with them. It's exactly what Jesus did for us on the cross. We're worthy of destruction. And Jesus says, these are your people whom I am willing to redeem because there is a promise of our love and our life that we so desperately want them to walk in. And we're called to surrender. When I'm afraid that God's not going to come through, I'm called to surrender. So often I can get so blinded in my present circumstance of God's past faithfulness. I mean, he made it work out then. I mean, he's gonna, he, he knows what he's going to He's got this. I just have to surrender my control, my timeline, I have to surrender my plan. I have to surrender it all. I think a great daily practice is what Jesus showed us in the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, 11, he said, give us this today our daily bread. It's coming back to that point of, God, I'm surrendering myself to be fully dependent on you. I believe you'll give me what I need. I believe you'll give me what I need when I need it. And it, it, it so many times I've, I look back on my life and if God would have given me what I was asking of him at the time I wanted it, I think it could have crushed me because God knows what our character can handle. And so often he's got to get us to the place to be able to receive what he wants for us. Does he have good plans? Yes. But his plan, most of all, is to shape us and change our heart to have the character that reflects him because everything is about him. Why? To see other people saved. To see people worshiping him because we all worship something. I think the goal, the question, the, the, the thing to wrestle with is who are we worshiping? Let me pray for us. God, we, we, just, we ask you to forgive us for letting fear lead us to impatience. And God, fear leading us to, to 
have this idea that we're in control and try to create control around our situations. That ultimately, it leads us into this practice that you've called idolatry, God, where we put something else in front of you, something else is ultimate, something else that we go to to satisfy our needs, to bring peace in our life, to bring hope, or any, anything that we're trying to get from that that needs to come from you. Forgive us. And we focus our worship on you. We submit our life, our heart, our timeline, our control, all, all our ideas. We submit that to you. And we tell you we trust you. There's times when we, 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 get, we grow impatient. But God, help us to come back till we trust you. We trust you. We trust you. And God, I pray for those that have been praying for things for months, years, decades. That you would do a work in their heart and that the impatience would not lead them away, but they would continue to confess, I trust you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.